Christianity, serving the true God is forbidden. And they meet in places where there are no lights and they sing without books and they, they do it in secret. And that sort of reminded me of this morning. What a blessing we have to be able to serve God openly uh, here where we're at. It's a blessing. Welcome to each one if you're visiting. We're glad that you're here. And uh, we ask that you would worship with us. This morning's message, um, I have titled, Faith versus Fear. Faith, faith versus fear. And um, indicating that they're opposite of each other. Faith versus fear. So as we think on that, let's pray and ask God to meet us here this morning. Lord, we, we just finished singing praises to you. We've even just sang that your Holy Spirit would come and fill us. And we ask that just now, Lord. We, our meeting is in vain if your Spirit is not here. Guiding us, speaking to us, showing truth to us. And so we ask, Lord, that that would happen this morning. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are. And because your desire is that you have a people that are faithful and true to you. So this morning, I pray that you would be honored and glorified in the message. That we would read your word and it would, it would resonate with us because it is truth. And if I would misspeak in any way, would you take that away? But only the truth would, be, would remain. I ask God that you would speak to each heart as you see the need. Encouragement. Whatever is needed, Lord, we ask that you would make that happen today. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever experienced fear? Or something just struck you so deep? in your heart that it just almost disabled you. We probably all could share stories of times when we were really scared. And my question is, is fear wrong this morning is, is one of the questions. We know the scripture where it says that, that um, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. So I ask the question, is it wrong to be fearful? There's a lot of factors that go into that question. God created us with, with emotions. We're, we, are, we are made in a way that we have, we have those emotions. And fear is one of those emotions that God put in us. So I don't believe that it is wrong to be fearful. Fear is what gets us out of trouble and into safety sometimes. If we see something above us that's falling or we see a car coming and we, we get out of the way if there's danger there gets us to a place of safety because God, that's the way God made us. I remember as a child, my parents taking me to the little town of Etna Green, where we, close to where I grew up at, and they had a circus there. And uh, I don't remember a lot about it, and I'm still amazed the fact that they would have had a circus at Etna Green, it's so small. But um, I don't remember much about what all was there probably trapeze and elephants, and, but I do remember that they had a lion show where they had, uh, they had uh, a guy go in into a cage with lions. And as a young 
I don't remember how old I was, five years old maybe, six. I couldn't, I just couldn't believe it, that this lion tamer would go in there with lions and tigers. And I remember they wouldn't cooperate sometimes. He would snap his whip at them and shake his chair at them and, and they would growl and snarl and hiss and, and they wouldn't want to cooperate. But finally they would get up on the pedestal that he wanted them to go on to or, and they would do different tricks jump through a hoop of fire or roll over or different things. And I was just amazed. And I remember one of the tricks or one of the things that he had them do is he had them, there were four or five of them in there. And he would have, they had these pedestals kind of in a semicircle and he would get them on top of that. And it was, they were, I don't know, three or four feet high. And he would get them, the lions to stand or sit on those with, on, just on their back legs with their legs, their front legs up, and they were kind of like sitting upright. And they didn't want to do it, some of them. And he would take his whip and he'd go right up to them and he'd kind of go up and make them kind of... And finally he'd get them all in a row doing that. But as he walked around the circle, he would... He would eventually, there were lions behind him. And I, as a young boy, I just could not believe that you would turn your back on these snarling lions and he'd get them to do his trick. And when I read a scripture that says perfect love casts out fear, I would think, well, if I would love enough, if, if, if I would love the way God wants me to love, would that take away the fear? And I could now just go into that lion's cage and, and, and do this very thing like he was doing. And I don't think that would work. I don't think that's what the scripture is talking about. Fear is a real emotion. It's something that we that we all dealt, have dealt with. There's different kinds of fear. As I was doing my studies, I thought, well, that, that fear is not what, that's not the fear that God's talking about. There's different types of fear. They say there is, there is a rational fear, and that would be one of the rational ones, to be afraid of, a, of an imminent threat, an animal that could really hurt you. And a rational fear, is some, that is the kind that God has put within us. It's something that we don't have to conjure up. It is just there. It's not something we have to plan to do. It happens. Um, some would call it a primal fear, something that we're born with. Uh, a young child, uh, the things that they fear might be falling or a loud noise, things like that. that, that are, that's just instilled in us. And then there's irrational fears, phobias that we face as well. They've even gone as far as to name some of those fears. Fears of tight spaces is claustrophobia. You've heard of those things. You have fear of spiders, fear of flying, fear of, fear of elevators. They've even named that one. Elevatophobia. Never heard of that one. The fear of public speaking. On and on it goes of fears that people have. Maybe you recognize some of those. Maybe those are fears that you may have. But what is it referring to in Scripture? And they, in a, a way, relate to some degree to what the fears we read about in Scripture. But there, there are different fears in the life of a Christian. And one of those fears is a rational fear. A fear of something that is happening to us or around us. And it's just, it scares us. That's normal. 
the shepherds experienced fear when the angels came down to announce the birth of Christ. The angels came, the light shone around in, in, in the middle of the night, and they heard a loud noise, and they were afraid. The disciples on the boat crossing the Sea of Galilee when the storms came and they were working and water was coming in, they experienced fear. That was normal. The Greek word that is used in, in, in this type of fear is phobia, or where we get our word for phobia, the form of that. This fear is what we were created with. God put that in us. It's an emotion. It gives us a desire to live. He, he gives us the 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 desire to avoid bodily harm. And that's what fear does for us. It's instinctive. It's human nature, just like joy or, or anger might be. Grief. We all experience this type of fear in the process of living. It's built within us. We don't need to repent of that kind of fear. That's a rational fear. And then there is a fear that we read about in Scripture, and it's called the fear of the Lord. This is a different word. This is, this is a reverence. This is a, this is a respect for an authority. We are called, we're called to have this type of fear. In Proverbs 23, it says, 23.17, Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. We're called to have this kind of fear, a reverence, a respect. It's a proper kind of fear. We fear God. Not that we're scared of God, but more a fear of displeasing Him or dishonoring Him or failing Him. And we reverence Him, we respect Him. We're called to to not only reverence God, but all of our authorities, the King. We're to fear the wrath of God. The fear of the Lord, is, it's an interesting way of putting this kind of, of reverence. It's more often referred to in the Old Testament. We read about it more there than we do in the New. And David and Solomon spoke much of this fear. And they, we read there that, that, that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It is, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. It is pure the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is a strong confidence. It is a fountain of life. Those are all mentioned with, in connection with the fear of the Lord. We surely don't need to repent of that. And then there is the fear of man. In the scripture we read of the fear of man. And I, I didn't know how to fully name this kind of fear. The fear of man. The fear of, the wor- of, of things of this world. That's even yet a different word, and it has a, the idea of anxiety and care. Proverbs 29:25 says, "The fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man. It's, I'm worried about what people will think of me. Are there things that make you anxious? Is it always wrong to have this kind of emotion, this kind of feeling? I don't think so. It depends on how we deal with it, what we do with that, those anxious thoughts. 
I found it interesting that the, the biblical definition of this kind of fear, as we think of fear versus faith and faith versus fear, the definition includes the word care. And it makes, then it makes more sense to me when I read verses that we find in Philippians, where it says, be careful for nothing, be full of care, don't be anxious for anything. That's another version says, the, um, the New King James says, be anxious for nothing. Be careful for nothing but in all things, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. The New Living says, don't worry about anything. Care. It seems as though our enemy has taken the emotion of fear that God has put within us to, to, to help us. And he's, he has um, twisted it to his design. And his design is to drain out our faith and fill it with fear. In the parable of the sower, the man, the, the sower went out to sow and he sowed amongst the different uh, places beside the road. And you know, you know the story, the parable. But one of the places in Mark 4.18, it says that he sowed it among the thorns and here's what the scripture says in, in Mark 4.18. And these were they that had, and which were, are sown among the thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of the riches, and the lusts of, of other things entering in, choke the word, and it become unfruitful. So what is it that chokes the word and causes it to become unfruitful? Amongst other things, it's cares, this word, this anxious fear of this world. Fear, anxiousness, we've all experienced this type of fear as well. We fear losing people. We fear losing our loved ones. Will my spouse always love me? Will my kids follow the Lord or will they go their own way? We fear losing possessions. Especially in the current political, economical situation in this climate, there one might be concerned about, will I be able to make it? How are we going to make it? Will there be a food sh shortage? Will there be... There's, just look at the gas prices. It can cause this anxiety to come up. The fear of physical pain. How will I make it with all this chronic pain? Will I, what if I would get cancer? What if I would never heal? It's those kinds of questions that, that Satan would want us to be in turmoil with. We, we fear emotional pain. My friends have pulled away. My kids don't care anymore. I'm not happy with myself. I'm not happy with my life. It's an emotional thing. We fear that. We fear failure. I could have. I should have. I would have, but I didn't. I'm a failure. This is a real fear that some people deal with. And maybe you recognize one or several of those. And God wants us, he, he wants us not to shrink back, not to live in anxiousness and worry. In Revelations 21, 7, it says, he that, over, he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the fearful, the fearful, and then it has a list, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, all of those shall have their part in the lake of the fire, that burneth with fire and brimstone, the fearful. So 
this is something, friends, that we need to be careful with. Satan will use it against us if he can. If fear were the poison, then what would be the antidote? And that is, the antidote is faith. Faith contradicts what fear, fear is count, contradicts what faith has to say and faith what fear has to say. When fear says, if this happens to me, I'm not going to make it. And faith says, come what may, I'll be okay because God is with me. That's what faith says. This type of fear, this, this anxious fear, should find no permanent place in the Christian's life. Note I said permanent. Because being anxious happens to us. But what we do with it is important. Being fearful and anxious is not what, where God wants us to remain. In 2 Timothy 1.7 it reminds us, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Or in, in, in Romans 8.14 for as many as are led of the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We have not received the bondage, the spirit of bondage again to fear. Fear puts us into bondage. and We're not called into, into that. But ye have respe- received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I read this statement, so, statement somewhere as I was studying. The Lord seldom seems further away than when, our, when your heart is filled with fear. When you rely completely on your own resources and your own abilities, then realize they aren't nearly enough to sustain you. Fear can flood into your heart. But faith, how does faith combat our fear? It is when we claim the promises of God's presence when we by faith believe that God is with us and he will never leave us nor forsake us, that is when it starts driving out the fear. When we can boldly and confidently say with the Hebrew writer, the Lord is my, her- my helper, I will not fear what man shall do unto me. That is what faith does. I will not fear when God is near. That's faith counteracting. On his deathbed, John Wesley, the famous revivalist preacher, clung to God's presence even as he was dying. And his loved ones surrounding Wesley as he, as he left this life attested to, the, to, the, to his last words that he spoke of the thing most precious to him. And these were Wesley's final words. Welling from somewhere deep within him, he raised his arms in victory and he said, the best of all is God is with us. He experienced the fulfillment of God's promise that he would never leave him nor forsake him. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. If I could emphasize enough, friends, how vital, how powerful this promise of God is, that he is with us. He will always be with us. I remember hearing the argument that if, if God is a loving God, then why would he allow people to fall or be hurt or pain or when our children fall and fathers mothers you know this if we're walking along and our children fall and they scrape their knee 
That didn't happen because you don't love them. That happens. What, what is an expression of love and, and what demonstrates love is the care and love that you show after they fall. And that is how God is with us. It doesn't matter if they come and they burn our possessions, if they burn our house, or like Dirk, they burn our bodies. They've done that in the past. Those things really, they don't matter. It doesn't matter if they take our lives. They've done that as well. If they deem us evil for our faith in God, it's okay because in and through all of this, God is with us. He will be there with us. I would like to focus on a couple scriptures this morning that, that demonstrate fear, faith versus fear in action. And maybe we can be encouraged as we see the action of this in, in the lives of others. Turn with me, if you would, to Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 31. This is a familiar scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 1. So an appointment where, where, where Moses is speaking to the children of Israel and he's, he's giving the charge to, to Joshua. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 1. And Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel. So I can see Moses standing, maybe he was up on a platform, and all of Israel, many, many people were standing before him. And he said unto them, I am... I'm 120 years old this day. I can no more go out and come in. I'm old. And also the Lord hath said unto me, thou shalt, not go, thou shalt not go over this Jordan. God had told him that he wouldn't go over into the promised land. The Lord thy God, he will go over before thee. He's telling the, the people now this now. The Lord thy God, he will go over before thee, and he will destroy these nations before thee. And thou shalt possess them in Joshua. He will go over before thee as the, Lord, as the Lord hath said. And the Lord shall do unto them as he did to, to Sion and, and to Og, kings of the Amorites, and unto the land of them whom he, whom he destroyed. And the, Lord shall go, and the Lord shall give them up before your face, all the enemies, he's saying, that ye may go in that you may do unto them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not. There's that word. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor will he forsake thee. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage. For thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto the, their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Those are powerful words, a powerful testimony that, that Moses spoke to the people and to Joshua and, and what courage they would have taken from that, I'm sure. But let's step back 40 years previous. 
they were at a very similar place, ready to enter into the promised land. And Moses has, he sent the spy, this is found in Numbers 13, if you want to read about it. He sent the spies in to, to check out the land, see how this place looks. And they came back with their report, Numbers 13. The land is good, it's, it's bounteous and wonderful. But there are giants there. That was their report. And Caleb tries to, Caleb and Joshua tried to, to, to still the people. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. Let us go at once and possess it, they said. For we are able to overcome it. That was the report of Caleb and Joshua. But the rest were saying, oh, there are giants there. And it says in Numbers that they brought an evil report to the people about the land. Fear. Fear is causing them to do this. Fear causes, causing them to bring a false evil report. We were in their sights as grasshoppers. They were so big. And the people lifted up their voices. And they cried and they wept and they murmured. This was 40 years before. Do you see what fear did? Fear caused them to, to lose heart. Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb fell on their faces before the Lord. And in Numbers 14.8, it says, this is what they were saying. If the Lord delight in us, this is, they went back to the people after they, they called out the Lord. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and, he, and give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel ye not against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defenses, their defenses departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade to stone them with stones. Fear had so grabbed them that they said, let's, let's just get rid of these people. And then it says the glory of the Lord came down into the tabernacle. And it must have been such a sight that they, they were distracted from what they intended to do because they didn't stone them. But they were going to. And now, 40 years later, at the very same place, the message of Moses is, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, be not afraid. For the Lord thy God, it is he that goeth with thee. And he will not fail thee nor forsake thee. You see the conflict of faith versus fear? It makes such a difference. Matthew chapter 26 Let's go to Matthew chapter 26. Turn with me there if you have your Bibles. Matthew chapter 26. It's Thursday night. It's Thursday evening and Peter, one of the disciples, is having a discussion with Jesus. Back several chapters before in, in Matthew 16, Jesus had asked the question, uh, who, who do men say that I am? And they had different, different answers. Elias. And then, and then Peter spoke up. He's the one that spoke up and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is the Peter that now here Thursday evening is, is having a discussion with Peter, with, uh, with, with, with Jesus. They've eaten the meal. 
Jesus has washed their feet. Judas has left. They've sung a hymn. And now they are, they're out on the Mount of Olives. I can imagine there was an air of anticipation, maybe a heaviness, a seriousness. I don't know. I don't know if they had stopped somewhere and Jesus was talking to them or if he was talking as they were walking. It doesn't really say. But in Matthew 26, 31, Matthew 26, verse 31, Then Jesus, in verse 30, it says, And they had sung a hymn. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus said unto them, All of you, all ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Jesus said, Tonight, this night, you'll all be offended of me. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. I can imagine the confusion that's going on in the minds of the disciples right now. Wait, wait a minute. Because they didn't understand it yet fully. And Peter, he's the one that speaks up. And he said, he, and Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Nah, I ain't going to do it. I will never, Jesus. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise said all the other disciples. They all chipped in. Not us, not, not me either. Nope. We'll all die with you, Jesus. That's Thursday night. Late Thursday night. By Friday morning early, Thursday night to Friday morning, it may have been an hour or two. We're still in chapter 20, we're still in chapter 26, but now we're down at verse 69. This is what it says here. Chapter 26, verse 69. They've come and taken Jesus out of the Garden of Gethsemane. And they've gathered in, gathered into this mock trial that they were having. And now Peter sat without in, the, without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him and saith, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. And he denied before them all, saying, I know not what, you're, what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him, and he said unto them that were there, and said unto them that were there, This fellow also was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And he again denied with, with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they, they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou wast one of, art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said to, unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and he wept bitterly. What? What happened from Thursday night to Friday morning? Fear happened. Fear happened. Fear reached in and had gotten a hold of Peter. He looked around him and saw the Sanhedrin. He saw the, he saw the soldiers. He saw, the, he, he saw the, the people and the animosity. and the I don't know what all he saw. He saw the uppity priests. 
And fear happened. And he denied Christ. When just hours before he said, I would never, ever do that. And fear got a hold of him. Let's jump forward. Several weeks later, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Verse 15. This was, this was also the, the Sanhedrin. The, they, they, had, they had brought Peter and John in because they were healing people. And verse, let's maybe begin with verse 14. And, behold, and beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they entered, they conferred amongst themselves. So they had Peter, and they had them step outside, step outside and they conferred with themselves, the council, saying, what shall we do with these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them, this hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth no man in this name. And this name is referring to the name of Jesus. They speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered unto them, and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot speak, we cannot but speak the things that we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go. The very same group of people. And they were threatening them. Prison. These were the people that put Jesus to death. They, they could do the same thing to, to Peter and John. And they're threatening them. Saying, don't you do it. But what a difference. What a difference. What happened? What happened to Peter? Faith happened to Peter. The Spirit had come. And faith is happening to Peter. That made all the difference. When we look through our lens at life, when we, when we look at through a lens of our own strength, of our own abilities, like Peter had, like the children of Israel had way back, we will be stifled by the fear that comes within us. We'll shrink back instead of stepping forward. We'll become easily intimidated when there's threatenings going on. That's what happens when we allow fear to come. That anxiousness because of what could happen. But if we allow faith and the Holy Spirit to empower us with the power that they can provide, we can be bold and courageous like Peter was when he allowed that to happen. And like Joshua was, it's available to every Christian. 
We just need to ask, to seek it, to ask God to give it to us. We need that. So how do I strengthen my faith so that I can be bold like Peter and Joshua? So that my fears are weakened. As I was picturing this in my mind, it felt like if if there was a, a measure of, if you had a tube, I'm just thinking this up, the example up now, sorry. If, if it was, say there was a, 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 or a bar graph, and as, as fear comes in, it pushes faith out. But as fe- faith comes in, it pushes fear out the other side. That's the way it feels to me. Like when we, when, when we have faith, our fear is weak. And when we have fear, then our faith is weak. Faith seems to be like a muscle. We need to exercise it. We need to strengthen it. Peter and James both speak of the trying of our faith. Like, like it's, there's resistance there and there's, there, it's a test. It's put to the test and, it's, and as we strengthen it, we, begin, we, we gain victory. Peter says that the trying of our faith is, is much more precious than gold that perishes. So what causes our faith to grow? This morning we, we see the difference. We see that faith is necessary and fear needs to be put out. What causes it to grow? Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, God. It's impossible. No faith, there's no pleasing. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a warder of them that diligently seek him. We want to please God. We want our lives to be pleasing to God. We want to hear the words, well done. Then we need to grow in faith because without faith it is impossible to please Him. I'm going to read another scripture in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 7. But what things were gained to me, Paul speaking here, what things were gained to me, I counted but lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, But that which is through the faith of Christ. That's the faith that we're talking about. But that which is through faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. The faith of Christ, to pursue God, to, to, to strive to be righteous, to be holy, to strive for holiness. The scripture says, without holiness, we shall not see God, without which no man shall see God. To endure hardship as a, as a good soldier of Christ, persecution, slanders for the sake of Christ, but we're pursuing after God because of the faith in Christ. We're studying his word. We're reading. We're listening to God's word. Because faith comes by hearing and and hearing by the preaching of the word. By God's word. 
That's how our faith grows, because we see God in action. We see God at work and we testify of God working to others. Our faith is producing action. We're trusting God more and more. And we cry out like the man did to Jesus and said, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And our faith grows and it pushes out that fear and that anxiety. Maybe you don't struggle with moments like Peter did. If you don't, then thank God because it's a tool that the enemy uses against us. But for some of the rest of us, we anticipate the cock crowing. And when time shall be no more, when the end of time comes, we see it coming. Time is short. Life is short. So let's put our shoulder to the task and by faith, grow in faith and claim the promise of God that he will never leave us nor forsake us and cause it to strengthen us. And then like the Apostle Paul, we can say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And that faith has given us victory over fear. Knowing that those that persevere, there is a crown of righteousness laid up, waiting for that grand day if we faint not. Brothers, sisters, let's stand in the battle. Let, us, let our faith win versus our fear for the glory of God. Let's kneel for prayer. Heavenly Father, of our own strength, well, you've told us that we can do nothing. And that is so true. That is so true. When we try it on our own, nothing of good happens. But when we do it with you, Lord, when you give us by faith, you give us strength and power and you multiply our efforts. And so we're so grateful. God, it is through you that we can have victory. It is through faith in you that we can have forgiveness. Forgive us where we have tried to do it on our own. And, and in our own anxiousness, in our own fear, we have, we have failed. I pray, God, that you would give us a clear vision of how to grow in our faith. Use the things that we read in your word. The people that we talk to to, to, to help us to grow in our faith so that our faith can push out our fear. It can have no place in us. But we can be bold and strong like Peter was, like Joshua was, for the sake of Christ. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.